Good morning. How's everybody today? Really? Come on. How are you guys doing? Doing all right? Good. Me too. Great. Thank you. Well, I'm a loud talker today, huh? Nobody needs that on Sunday morning. Welcome to Portico Church Arlington. Uh, my name is Jason, lead pastor here. It's my privilege to open up the Word of God with you today. We thank you for your indulgence. We're in the orchestra room today. Uh, this is a school, and we love them, and they allow us uh, to be here. But they're using the stage, so we're going to use the orchestra room. I was in band. Maybe some of you were. Um, lives were changed in a bad way, usually, when you went to band camp. Do you remember band camp? Man, that just, oh, wow. It was good, though. So thank you for being cozy with us this morning as we're in the orchestra room. We're in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21 today. Uh, if you have your Bible, um, open it up. If you need one, we have some in the back. Uh, and this is part two. We've been talking about love. Last week, we talked about what does it mean that we are loved by God? It says uh, this very... Um, powerful statement that God is love, and he goes on to explain what that means in your life and our life. So today we're going to talk about what does it mean, what does it look like for us to love by to love like God. And you care about love, right? You do. We say that, we affirm that, um, and I think we know that it matters much more than what it shows up in our life, quite frankly. Uh, there's a good article I read by a man by the name of David Brooks. He's a writer for the New York Times. Uh, maybe you've read some of his stuff. Uh, he'll do a TED Talk from time to time. He's written some books. But listen to what he says about love, because he's successful. He's accomplished in his career. But he said, basically, when he gets around people, certain types of people, he sees that they, are, they treat people differently. They love people. They're engaged in them. And when you're around them, you just feel great, and you want to be like them. So he's very confused about this, and he wrote, he wrote this op-ed. Let me just read a, a small portion of it. He says, it occurred to me that there were two sets of virtues in life. There are resume virtues and eulogy virtues. The resume virtues are the skills that you bring to the marketplace. The eulogy virtues are the ones that are talked about at your funeral, whether you're kind, brave, honest, faithful. Basically, were you capable of deep love? He goes on to say how this really bothered him. Because when he looked at his own life, he just didn't see it. Listen, no one gets to the end of their life and says, you know what? I really wish I'd have found a way to buy a bigger house. Man, my life would have been so much better if I would have spent more hours at the office. If I would have spent a little more time scrolling through my Insta feed, my life would have been amazing. Nobody gets to the end of their life and says that. Nobody wishes they worried more about the life that they didn't have. In the end, everybody values love. Love is more important to us than power, success, our accomplishments, our acquisitions, the things that we have, the things that we don't have. It is. Why is that? Well, last week we learned. Because love is woven into the fabric of reality. God is love. And as an image bearer, you... You were designed not to bring out an inner light. You were designed to reflect God's light. He's love. He's woven into all of reality. So it matters. We learned last week what it's like to be loved by God. It frames all of his actions towards us. He owns your need, and he transforms you. 
And this understanding of God's love rides on this logic. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give all things? When you believe that you are loved like that, it gives you a freedom you can get no other way. And it can't be taken from you. When you're loved like that by God, when you belong to him by his qualification, not by yours, it does change your life. He is fully invested in you, in Christ. So what is it like for us to understand that? And then to live like that. So that's where we're going today. Simply, what does it look like to love like God? Love like God calls us to do. So we're going to jump back in. Uh, we're going to start at verse 11 in chapter 4 and take it to 21. And be thinking about loving like God. Because that's where it's going to take us. He says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Again, God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, that is Jesus, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother Heavenly Father, we come to you as people that do not love like you do. On the surface, this feels like the simplest, easy, most intuitive command we would ever hear from your lips. But in practice, it doesn't work. My prayer for us this morning, Lord, as we open up your word, Lord, is that you would open us up. Let your word read us. Lord, would you give us the gift of your Holy Spirit? that we might hear directly from you, Lord, from your word, that we might not just understand what you're saying, but we might do it in your power, that we might be so transformed by your love, by your word, that we would love one another like this. God, we give you glory. We give you praise. Would you please open up this treasure of your word that we might behold its glory. In the name of Christ, amen. So what is it like to love like God? Well, here's what John is saying. Perfected love, he uses that word. Perfected love is practiced love. If you want to see love grow in your life, if you yourself want to understand what it's like to be loved by God, this is not going to be an esoteric pursuit where you find out in your prayer closet. That's going to help, but you must practice love. 
There's no way to be experiencing God's love and also not be practicing it. So perfected love is practiced love. This is what the text is telling us. So this is what we're going to do today. I want to talk about, we'll go backwards a little bit. I want to talk about what is, what is love practiced? We'll, we'll explore that because the text shows us that. And also, what is love perfected? What does he really mean by he says love is a perfected in us? Uh, and then we're just going to get real practical. and just going to give you a few ways that we can practice love among ourselves. What does this look like? Very, very simply. So that's where we're going today. Love practiced. So perfected love is practiced love. Let's start with what love practice looked like. Well, verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Um, the, if you want to know what you, where your relationship with God stands, and I'm not talking about your justification. I'm not talking about your position with God. Not necessarily. Do you want to know what your, where your relationship with God really is? He says the condition of my relationship and your relationship with God is revealed in your relationship with one another. If you want to have a litmus test or take the temperature of your relationship with God, you need to look at the people that are sitting around you the people that he has put into a small family with you, how we engage one another, how we love one another, what the relationship looks like with our brothers. This can be translated brothers and sisters. This is the family of God. People that are united to Christ through faith are also closely united to one another. Do you know that? Do you know that faith unites us to Jesus? Yes, that is true, right? It's not, he doesn't love us because of what we've done for him. God loves us because he loves us and he's given us a way to know him in real time through faith in Christ. However, Here's the bad news. As I'm related to, or as I'm united to Christ through faith, I'm also united to you and you and you and you in a very real way and as closely as I'm relating to God, as I'm united to him. So as we walk together in faith, we belong together. Verse 20 says, if if anyone says, I love God, and we would all say that as believers and hates his brother, he's a liar. He who does not love his brother whom he has seen, well, he can't love God who is, he's, he's not seen, right? We together um, will reveal how our relationship with God is. Um, that, that, sh- that should scare us a little bit. If I'm to understand the vibrancy of my relationship with God, I need to understand where I stand with you. Are we loving one another? Do, do I love you like that? He's, he's very clear on that. That's the condition of my relationship with God. Um, Sarah mentioned our mission today. This is, this is why we exist at a church, uniting people to life in Christ. But one of our core values there is loving one another like family. This goes beyond just, hey, how was your week? This goes into sacrificing to one another. This means I'm known here and I know others here. Uh, and this means I love you like extended family. And guess what? There's going to be people here you don't like. It's just the way it works. In fact, you may not like me. If I haven't hurt your feelings, well, it's going to happen probably today. So it's going to happen. This is why Thanksgiving and Christmas is so hard, right? We, we're put at the table with our family. We love these people. But as we get close, right, we step on one another's toes. So how we love one another in real time is going to reveal how we are understanding our relationship with God and where we stand there. So practice love is very important. Now, the text goes some weird places straight away, and we have to understand the dots that the Apostle John is connecting. In verse 12, he goes on, he says, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, right? If we're doing this, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. 
So I can't even really experience God's love the way that God wants me to unless I am practicing love in this room, in the relationships that I have. And before you stop me and say, well, shouldn't we love? Yes, this love should extend past your family and past your church. Yes, it should extend to everyone that you know. But if you're not loving people that God has put you in community with, um, then you're not going to experience God's love the way he wants you to. You're not. Um, Your experience of God's love is completely dependent on one thing. Yes, your willingness to receive his love, his grace. Yes, all of that. But it's also dependent on your willingness to practice his love. If I have no desire to practice his love in real time with somebody here, with people here, um, I'm going to have a hard time understanding what it means to be loved by God and even experience that love. Um, And he's made it clear. The unseen God, right, the transcendent God, becomes visible among us. It becomes visible when we love one another. That's where he's taking us. Now note what the text says. Doesn't say that our love is perfected. You, You don't have what it takes to love like this. This is difficult when we understand it. He doesn't say our love is perfected when we love like this. He says God's love is perfected in us. Friend, that is good news. Uh, we don't have what it takes in and of ourselves to execute love like this. But God's love is perfected in us and becomes real to us when we choose to practice love, that is, loving one another. Um, this might be a little confronting to us because a lot of times in American culture, church for us is just this place where we come and get our spiritual high. We learn a little bit, right? Read the Bible. I get juiced up for the week and then I roll. I don't really want anything from you guys and please don't want anything from me, right? Let's not get in each other's lives. It's messy. We keep things packed away for a good reason, right? We just want to come, get a spiritual high and go out. That has nothing to do with what the, the church is, quite frankly. That's not how a family works. That's not how the church works. If we've been reconciled to God through faith and reconciled to one another, then this love is in real time and it works. Um, I used to fly for a living. That's what I used to do in what I call my second life before God called me to um, move into ministry. Um, really weird story there. But here's something that as I was thinking about this text, it kind of it kind of uh, keyed a memory into my head. Um, I used to do a little bit of training, and one of the things that you do when you're a new hire at an airline is they throw you in a simulator for about three months, they go through ground school, and they put you through scenarios, uh, and they qualify you, and you learn everything that you need to learn to fly the equipment that you're going to fly online with that particular airline. So once you finish that um, and graduate, they put you in the airplane. Now, this is not like they fly around at night when there's not passengers. They put you on an airplane with real passengers in real time, right? Um, wouldn't you like to like have a student pilot like thing on the seat or on your ticket, get a discount? You're never going to know, right? We do hard landings sometimes. It's usually the rookies um, or the really old ones like me. So Anyway, it, it's kind of good. We, we call it supervised operating experience. And what happens is this, this new pilot, and if it's, a, if it's somebody that came out of a Cessna, right, it's even more critical. Uh, they get in the airplane. They've learned everything. But we call it the consolidation of knowledge and skills. For the next maybe two weeks, this new pilot is flying with a training captain, and they get to consolidate everything that they've learned in their training and in the simulator. Yes, they're going to make some hard landings. Yes, they're going to screw some things up. 
up, but they learn and they get to experience and practice what they have learned. If they do not do that and they don't do it quickly, what happens is they are not successful as a pilot. Uh, But when they get in the airplane right after training and they have a good training captain and they work this out, here's what happens. The fear that you see in their eyes goes away. They build confidence. Uh, They relax a little bit. They stop fearing things, right? And they become an excellent pilot. That is basically what God's telling here. If you're experiencing God's love, if you've been qualified, not by your own works, but by his, he's put you in his family, right? If you've received this through faith, and yet you do not practice this love in your life or with others, then it's going to become very abstract and you will not, you will begin to misunderstand what it means that Jesus died for you to wipe away sin and to bring you to God the Father. That will become very abstract to you and God will just become another task or something that you do. Uh, Listen, you must practice God's love. He wants you to. You're not going to be good at it. Okay? Can we take away the fear? You're not going to do it well. So just don't, perfected love doesn't mean you're perfect at it. We'll get to what that means. But God calls us to practice love. I'm just going to throw this out here. If if your relationship with God feels distant, if you're wondering when the day is going to come that you're just going to have this really overwhelming sense of God's love in your life, maybe it's not because you don't know the gospel and you don't read the Bible. Maybe you do that. Maybe it's because you don't love Maybe it's because in the few opportunities that God has given you, you're not taking them. You're not walking, you're not risking, you're not loving other people the way that you've been experiencing love from God, right? So perfected love, the kind of love that we want that's growing and overwhelming us happens when we practice it. So let's understand what perfect, we understand a little bit about what practicing love is. Now let's talk about what perfected love is. What does the text mean by that? Well, as I said, it's not sinless perfection, right? It doesn't mean that you're going to um, be Mother Teresa. It doesn't mean that what God is calling you to do is just be perfect at love. That's not what it means. Here's what it means. Wholeness, right? Completeness, right? It means that it matters to you. It means that God has designed you because you're an image bearer to love like this. So it's an end. It's a goal perfected. This is what God wants for your life. This is what he's designed you to do. You can't worship God and love God and not love others. It doesn't work, right? So as you are loving others, you're going to see this grow up in your life and you will find yourself with people that you don't want to love. That's going to happen. So as love is being perfected in you, as you're learning to let God's love abide in you, not just in secret, but going outbound and loving others, you will find yourself in situations where there's people that you just have a hard time loving. And maybe there's a very good reason. Maybe you've been grievously sinned against by them. Um, maybe, maybe you have a good reason not to love them. But man, we don't get a pass on this. What if I find it impossible? Well, the text brings some insight here. Love perfected is always going to be spirit-empowered. He says it. By this we know, verse 13, we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. So first of all, your assurance is this. He has given you the spirit. Well, I don't feel that always. All right. It doesn't say 
um, here's your assurance when you feel that God has given you the Spirit. That's not what it's working through. He has given you his Spirit. That means that you have the power and the presence of the living God, both in us and among us. And we will see evidence of that in the text. We'll get there. But know this, our, our assurance doesn't even come from how we love. It comes from the fact that God has given us his spirit. If you are trusting in Christ, period, you have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, period. Right? He's given us his spirit. Love always takes God's presence, and he's present with us in that. So how does he empower us? Well, a couple ways. One is regeneration, um, rebirth. The Spirit of God actually imparts new life to us so that we can see the Word of God and understand the Word of God in new ways and that we can trust the Word of God. So the Holy Spirit imparts new life to us, illuminates our eyes so that we can see the beauty of God in the face of Jesus Christ and respond to that. And so our call is to, yes, respond to that. Use the freedom that God has given you to act. Right? So the Holy Spirit does that, regenerates us, lets us see that Jesus is God the Son and our Savior. Yes, um, Romans 8.16 kind of speaks to that. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So yes, there is something internally that goes on. And sometimes it, in different seasons of your life is greater than others. But you know that you have been made a child of God. And the Spirit of God testifies to you that we might cry, Abba, Father. That is real and that happens, yes. But also the Spirit of God is not just regenerating or imparting faith to us, but he's giving us the ability to obey God. Supernatural help, partnership. So God, the Holy Spirit, empowers you to love others. First, to love God but also to love others. He's doing this. Um, he brings us into the fellowship of the Trinity as we looked at last week. And there's no way to be there without loving other people. Um, it's choosing to partner with God, the Holy Spirit, to love others. Let's, let's look at this again, verse 16. So we have come to know, look at this. So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. Right? It's progressive. God is love, and whoever abides in his love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, or as Jesus is, so also are we in this world. Then he goes on, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. What this doesn't mean is if you have an anxiety or a fear that you're not a believer. It doesn't mean that. Um, everybody has anxiety and fear. How you handle that as a believer should be very different, right? We don't want to be a functional atheist uh, and then spend our lives worrying and full of anxiety when we have God the Father um, right here to talk to and to engage in his church. Yes, but what it's not saying is that you'll never fear if you're a believer. No, how do you handle that? Um, being perfected in love means this. It builds confidence in your life, and the way it does it is it kills fear. God's love will do that to you progressively and on and on. How? Well, God will give you bold confidence that enables you right now to stand before God as his child and know that and believe that, and learn what it means to walk in that. Remember, you get out of the courtroom. Yes, I've been declared right or righteous before God. 
by his work, not mine. And he ushers you into the family room. He puts you at his table with a bunch of ragtag other orphans. And we learn what it's like to live as children of the living God. That is happening in real time. When you understand that, it starts to build in your life a certain confidence. When you know that God is not just a judge... Yes, our works are judged, even for believers, but we're, we're seen as righteous in Christ. But he's my father, right? This true king that I know is my father. So I know that now I have access to him, and even in judgment, right? We all know that judgment is real. This is why David Brooks worries about the fact that he's not loving. This is why I worry about it. Every single person, when our head hits the pillow at night, we know there's a judgment coming, right? We know. Um, it's not just that I stand before God now as a child, but we know that I will stand before him without fear and without shame. You can't buy that. And you can't earn it. You can receive it or reject it. How does this work? Because as he is, so are also are we in this world. This is what God's love does. It makes us like Jesus in this world, in this way. We are reconciled to the Father. We walk in his love. His love leads us. He guides us. We learn to trust him. Even though Jesus was God, the Son, because he was man, he learned humility. He learned obedience by walking through life, humiliating himself to become a man. So... We are as he is. This should give you confidence. You are reconciled to God the Father in Christ. That should change your life. That should give you a boldness that can't be taken away. But I still fear things. Yeah, I know. So do I. But don't fear that. And this depends entirely on how you see God's love. Is God's love for for you a transaction? Is it something that if you do well enough... God's going to give you his love. And then it's going to abide in you. Or is God's love for you secure? Is it real? Has he actually fulfilled everything that he's needed to do to save you? Because verse 19 says we love because he first loved us. Do you love God? Do you love others? Because you are loved by God. Do you love others because you actually believe that God is crazy about you? I mean crazy about you. That he would push pause on human history to write himself into the story and say, they can't do this. This has always been the plan. Let me, let's get God the Son on the soil to be a kinsman redeemer, to redeem and to fix what is, cannot be reconciled without my feet there. To be the true king. To overcome death. That's how he loves us. And only this love can free you from the prison of self-obsession. Nothing else can do it. When you understand that you're loved like that, that is the only thing that will free you from obsessing on yourself. It's beautiful. It's the way it works. Only God's love can free you. And if we're finding it impossible to practice love like this, and it's hard, it's probably because you're not convinced that God first loved you. You believe that, well, yeah, I know God's loving, and I know that God loved me, and I believe that Jesus died for me, and all those wonderful things, but if you knew what I knew, 
you would know why it's hard for me to believe that God can love me like that. This is, this is how David Brooks kind of ended his article. And I believe him. And I don't know anything about him. I don't know him. As for all I know, he could be a believer. I'm not saying anything about his spiritual state. But the way he thinks is the way we think. It's how our hearts work. This is what he says. After being so bowled over by people that he saw in his life that were just full of love and that loved in a way that he'd never even thought of. And, and he was thinking, you know what? I, I, I've never hurt anybody. I'm a pretty good fella. I've had some success in life. Isn't that good enough? He's like, nah, we know it ain't good enough. We're bored. We're afraid. We're insecure. And one of the biggest things we fear is death, and it's coming for us. And so this is, because of all that, this is what he says. He says, I realize that if I wanted to do that, that is to love like other people love, that I'm so impressed with, I was going to have to work harder, quote, to save my own soul. You, friend, think like that. And I think like that. And that's why we don't love. We're terrified. He actually is right. The logic he's using is perfect. He gets it. Maybe what he doesn't know is that he's never going to be able to work hard enough to make that happen. Maybe what he doesn't know is that God has already done that work for him. Maybe what he doesn't know is that there's a greater love even than some of the evidence of God that he's seen around him. Maybe what he doesn't know is that God loves him like that first. Friend, I'm just going to throw this out there to you. If you've seen some holes or some fissures in your life in regards to really being convinced that God first loved you, put your eyes squarely on that. The gospel compels us. Jesus came for you to look squarely at that and to see the gaps and to see where you don't love and, and to give it to him. And yes, to ask her for real forgiveness and then receive it and then trust him to live and love like he's called you to do. And do it now, man. Don't think about it. Just do it. There's just not enough time to waste. Trust him. Give him your life. And then do this. This is how we're going to end. Three ways to practice love. And we, we talk too much. I talk too much in church. And we don't do enough. So let's talk about some three very practical ways. And I want you to do it this week. You're never going to regret doing these things. First of all, how, how do we practice love? How do we do that? Um, if perfected love is practice love, let's get busy. Well, I'm just going to give you three ways. There's probably a hundred million more, but let's just talk about some of them. One is to be present, right? God didn't love us from heaven. He put his feet on the ground. God doesn't give you an idea or give you a Bible and say, learn it, memorize it, then I'll love you. No, he says, trust me, and then he gives you the spirit of God. God, the Holy Spirit, comes and makes his home with you. God is present. So if you're going to learn to love with God, you've got to be present with people. You can't love them over Facebook. You can't, you have to be in the same space with people to actually love them. Well, I can't do that with everybody. Okay, do it with people that you can. So do this, this one thing this week. Schedule time to be with someone this week that you wouldn't normally be with or that you ha that's not on your calendar anymore, right? 
Who? How would I do that? I don't know. Have coffee with them. Go to dinner with them. Have lunch with them. Um, one of our deacons, Uni, we were talking the other day, and he said, you know what? You know, we had a kid, and people were bringing meals over to us. And he's like, I've taken a lot of meals to people, but I always thought it was kind of silly. I thought it was just kind of a Christian-y thing to do. Because you know what? It really blessed us. It was real. Now I know why people do this. You experience the love of God when people bring you things, when people spend time with you. And I was like, yeah, I know. Um, so sp- schedule some time to be with someone. And if you're like, I don't even know anybody here. Well, get in a community group, right? You can find out how to do that when you're walking out of the church. We got a little, de- well, or, or join the church, right? We call it covenant membership for a reason. It's a family. If you see the church, Um, as an association or as a membership club or something that you just do on Sunday, you don't understand the church like Jesus understood it. He died for it, right? So get some skin in the game. Be a part of your family. Uh, And honestly, if you're just like, this is great, maybe next year, I'm just going to tell you this. If you don't have time to be with people, you don't have time to follow Jesus, right? Those are his words, right? He probably didn't say it like that, but... I'm pretty sure he would have said that. <laughs> but if you don't have time to be with people, which is what you need to do to love people, um, then you don't have time to follow them. You just don't. Uh, yeah, so, so be present. Secondly, be generous. Uh, love is expensive, really expensive. You know what it does to you? Maybe this is where you want to stop taking notes. It destroys your plans. It ruins them. It upends your life, and it takes away your resources. I mean right? Jesus. Just look at that. Uh, so be, when someone inconveniences you, it's not a sin against you. Get over it, man. Being inconvenienced is not a sin. And our lives are so tight and so compacted and so high energy. When somebody inconveniences me, like maybe if they cut in line in front of me, like I'm ready to fight. <laughs> this, now I'm going to be in the longest line at the checkout. Get used to being inconvenienced if you're going to love others. So what does generous mean? Sacrificial. It actually costs you time or money or mental space or something. It's ongoing. It's not a one and done. God wants you to build a pattern of chronic love in your life. This is what he's going for because it's better. Um, And it causes joy. It's better to give, but you don't know that unless you do it. So um, do this. How are you going to be generous this week? Give something away that you really value. I'm not talking cleaning out your closet and getting out the clothes that you never wore anyway. Right? I'm saying give away something you value. Well, what do you value? I don't know what you value. But here's things categorically that we value as a culture. We value money. Right? It's, it is the God of our culture and our city. Okay? We value time. I'll give you anything. I just can't give you me. Time is very valuable. What about your reputation? Would you be willing to do some damage to your reputation to love somebody? Man, Jesus got hit on his reputation all the time. He was either too religious or he was eating with sinners. He always had damage done to his reputation. Would you be willing to encourage somebody on your team and let them take the glory even though you had some work behind the scenes? Could you live in a world like that? Is God's love solid enough for you to give away reputation? So do that. And then the last one, here's just an idea. If you're going to love somebody and practice it this week, embrace loss. Embrace it. Um, Because love is a call to experience loss. Um, So how would we do this? Here's an idea. 
Give up your need to win in a conflict this week with somebody. Give up your need to win. And you know what? Just love them. And don't even slip in. But you know, just love them. But what if they're wrong? Well, maybe they are. Give up your need to win a conflict. Um, If you're not around people that irritate you and that are different than you, then maybe your friendships are just kind of an extension of self-love. Right? If you always want around from people that are just irritating to you, and let's be honest, everybody's irritating. Stop trying to influence and control and to win and just love somebody. Now, you know what this works out a lot in a marriage? We're always manipulating each other, aren't you? What about your roommates? What about your coworkers? There's another one. What about your neighbors? Everybody's got a good neighbor and a neighbor they can't stand. What about your parents? My kids here. Oh, there's one. You should love your parents no matter what. Oh, I've messed up so much. Um, put down the sword. Put down the sword and just love. Give up the need to win for a minute and just love. So perfected love is practice love. God wants this for us. But you're smart, you're intelligent, you're beautiful, and that's going to all go in the grave with you. Learn how to love. If you have received his love, give it. Give it in real ways because this is his desire. He wants to perfect love in you, but you must practice it. This is the very thing that David Brooks, Washington, D.C., Dubuque, Iowa, everywhere. We're all looking for this. The only place they're going to see love from the living God is right here, right? So let's commit to do that together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Um, It just makes me shudder um, to think of the magnitude in a good way, the magnitude of your love for me personally, your patience, your kindness, your mercy, my stubbornness, my presumption. Yeah. So I thank you, God, and I pray that we would know your love in a way that is makes it impossible for us to turn away, that we would receive it, Lord, and we'd walk in this salvation in a way that reflects your love to other people. Lord, teach us to practice it. Give us the boldness and the courage to practice it. That becomes a pattern in our life, in our church, in our city. And that you would draw men and women and kids and old people and everybody to yourself because they've never seen anything like this love. In the name of Jesus, amen. Oh, there we go. At this time, I'd like to call forth the ushers who will be doing.